0: As-salamu <laughs> alaykum rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. A'udhu billahi s-salamu alaymin alaymin al-shaytan rahim Alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen. Wal-ulwana ila ala al-dhalimeen. Wal-aqibatu lil-muttaqeen. Allahumma salli wa sallam. Mubarak ala abdika rasulika Muhammadin sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Wa alihi wa sahbihi wa sallam. Tasliman kathira. So inshallah ta'ala tonight, we are going to speak about someone who... Um, is typically not spoken about except in regards to his home and what his home played, the role that his home played in the seerah of the Prophet And we spoke about him in brief yesterday, uh, the incident of Ammar and Suhaib, may Allah be pleased with them, meeting at the door of this individual and as they ran into each other about to enter in they ask each other what they're doing there and both of them confessed that they were there to listen to the teachings of muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam that they'd heard about the prophet sallallahu preaching this new way of life they enter into this home and the prophet sallallahu uh, presented to us islam and they accepted islam they both left that home ammar and suhaib as muslims after meeting the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam now, uh, tonight's lecture will probably be a little bit shorter than some of the other ones because there isn't just there just isn't that much about this individual in the books. And, um, you know, it's more about the role that his home played than him. And that is Al-Arqam, Ibn Abi Al-Arqam radiallahu ta'ala anhu, Uh, According to a narration in Al-Hakim, he was the seventh person to embrace Islam, the seventh person to embrace Islam. Now, I'm going to put this out there that sometimes you'll have these narrations. uh, So for example, the one that we we just completed going over the names in there. uh, The first seven, Azharul Islam, who presented their Islam publicly, right? And we went through some of those names. And sometimes you'll see when you're reading about some of these firsts that uh, the numbers will be similar to the numbers of others and obviously uh, there are going to be conflicting narrations about when a person embraced Islam or what number they are in the order because uh, obviously Islam was being preached uh, secretly at this point and so some people had embraced Islam but kept their, kept their Islam secret and some people had embraced Islam literally on the same day so who do you put first, Ammar or Suhaib for example. And so you're going to have um, these types of discussions, but uh, the point being that Al-Arqam is one of the earliest to embrace Islam, and his house will play a central role in the seerah of the Prophet SallAllahu and in the lives of the companions. Now, how young was Al-Arqam, okay? Uh, and I'm gonna talk a little bit about his tribe in a bit inshallah ta'ala, uh, but how young was he? Uh, we talk about youth embracing Islam, and Ali ibn Abi Talib عنه, in particular, uh, we've spoken about how young he was when he embraced Islam. But he was raised in the house of the Prophet SallAllahu right? Al-Arqam ibn Abi Al-Arqam was anywhere from 12 to 16 years old when he embraced Islam. So he was a teenager. Okay, so most of the, the narrations put him around 14 years old. The lowest of them, 12 years old. The highest of them, 16 years old. So he was literally um, a teenager, if even just coming into his teens, and of course, you know, people were forced to mature at a younger age at that point, at that time. And so, you know, a fourteen-year-old at that time is not necessarily a fourteen-year-old at this time because of the responsibilities and things of that sort. Uh, but he was very, very young, and he heard about the Prophet sallallahu early on, uh, kind of listening in. And I want you to to, to picture this young man. Um, truly young and very quiet. So Al-Arqam, one of the reasons perhaps that you don't find much about him in the Seerah is because he clearly was a very quiet young man uh, listening around, hearing the news here or there and embracing Islam. And um, he does not seem to talk much before or after Mecca, Medina or beyond. He seems to be a, a very quiet individual. So what makes this young person so instrumental? How does he have a home in the first place? Again, uh, a 14 year old at that time is not necessarily a 14 year old or not, is is certainly not a 14 year old um, at this time, but should be a source of inspiration to young people to know what role they could play in Islam. Uh, He inherited a home from his father and that house was strategically located right next to a safa uh, which was of course a much higher hill at the time. People used to go to the top of Safa to make announcements like the Prophet Sallallahu did when he first made his uh, announcement to his family, calling them to Islam. Uh, at least his first public call, alayhi salatu islam. He inherited a home that was strategically right next to Safa. And if you look in fact at this image, you'll see that Right to the right of Asafa, that's where the location of this home was. Till now, it's still marked, and in fact, until the recent past, uh, if you look at the older pictures, you'll see that uh, you know uh, it, it was you know uh, still marked in a certain way. It became a place where Quran was taught. It became a school. So it's not just that we have a bunch of Islamic schools that are named Dar Al Arkam, uh, but it became a place where the Quran was taught and things of that sort. Uh, books are sold. And now you can see it, it's uh, marked by a window right next to the mountain of As-Safa. So this is a very strategically placed home that he inherited from his father. And it would become the house of al-Islam, the house of Islam. It would become the place where the Prophet would teach Islam to that young group of companions that were surrounding him, that initially embraced Islam, most of them being from the oppressed class. Right? Most of them were the Bilal's and the Suhaib's and the Ammar's and the Khabab's and so on and so forth. Um, but not Al-Arqam. Who is Al-Arqam? What is his tribe? Al-Arqam's father's name, of course he's known as Al-Arqam, Ibn Abil-Arqam, but Al-Arqam's uh, actual father's name, Abil-Arqam, the father of Al-Arqam is Abdi Manaf, Ibn Asad, Ibn Umar, Ibn Makhzum. Okay? Now if you're paying attention to listening to the tribe names, What is the tribe of Makhzum? The tribe of Makhzum is the tribe of Abu Jahl, right? So he's from the tribe of Abu Jahl, one of the most powerful tribes in uh, Mecca and the head of whom is, you know, rising to be the pharaoh of this ummah, the one who's torturing all of those young companions that have embraced Islam. The head is Abu Jahl. And Banu Makhzum was the rival tribe of Banu Hashim. The, the, the tribe of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. And so you have all of these uh, competitions that exist between Banu Makhsoom and Banu Hashim. And of course, that was Abu Jahl's greatest resistance to Islam. He said, how can we produce a prophet, right? We can't compete with Banu Hashim if we acknowledge that they have a prophet amongst them, then we will forever concede to their tribe. Uh, Al Arqam Ibn Al Arqam kept his Islam private, but he's from the tribe of Banu Makhzum No one would suspect that he was Muslim. He never made his Islam public, and you know he was uh, you know literally a, a young teenager that used to walk unsuspectingly throughout, uh, could could go to the gatherings of Banu Makhzum and no one would think that maybe he's Muslim. No one would worry about Al Arqam ibn Abul Arqam, which makes his uh, choice or the Prophet's some choosing him in his home uh, to be so brilliant. And Subhanallah, some of the scholars uh, they mentioned that you know Musa Alayhi salam grew up in the house of Firaun. He grew up in the house of the Pharaoh. Allah protected the Prophet Moses peace be upon him alayhi salam, in the house of Fir'aun. The Prophet sallallahu was protected and raising a young ummah in the house of a young man from the tribe of the Fir'aun of his time. Okay, who was Abu Jahl the Fir'aun of this ummah. So you have, you know, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala showing his miracles just in the way uh, that things are proceeding, that the Prophet SallAllahu Alaihi Wasallam is raising an ummah, raising a generation in that home out of all homes, in the house of a young man from his enemy tribe, Banu uh, Maghzum, where Abu Jahl was leading the charge against the Prophet SallAllahu Alaihi Wasallam. And some of the scholars, they mention about the youth in particular here. The Prophet SallAllahu Alaihi Wasallam of course had more hope in the youth than he did in the elders. And this is something that's established whether the Prophet SallAllahu was in Ta'if Right? And the Prophet ﷺ hoped that from their children there would be a generation that would worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, or whether it was the people that the Prophet ﷺ saw in Badr making dua, that their kids would be different. And then when their children led the revolt against uh, against the Prophet and Uhud, they were younger, Ikrama, the son of Abu Jahl, Khalid Ibn al Walid. Right? They were the younger men and the Prophet ﷺ says, Allah اغفر fa innahum la ya'lamoon. Oh Allah, forgive my people, they don't know any better. He had more hope in the young people. He had more hope in the youth because they were less set in their ways. They were less attached to their tribes. Their innocence brought them closer to the fitrah or kept them closer to their natural inclination. They weren't as partisan. They were more willing to listen to the Prophet ﷺ uh, and his message. And subhanAllah, what did Allah reward the Prophet ﷺ with? The children of his enemies, both in Ta'if and in Mecca, becoming a not just Muslim, but a reason for the spread of Islam. Here, this young teenager from Banu makhzum becoming a source of protection for the Prophet ﷺ and his companions. And so, you know, imagine the sights. You have this teenager who owns this little house uh, right next to As-Safa and some of the the, the uh, historians what they point out to or what they point to is they said there was a narrow alleyway uh, from As-Safa uh, to the house of Al-Arqam okay and it was also right around the uh you know the crowds of Mecca and so it was easy to sneak in and to enter into that house unsuspectingly and not worry about anything so they were able to keep this secret for years that they were there uh, what was taking place in that house? Um, the Prophet Sallallahu would go there every day, and he would teach the companions there, that young group of people that had embraced Islam around him. He would receive revelation in that home. SubhanAllah, some of the Quran was revealed in that home of Al-Arqam. Uh, so much of it, in fact, the majority of it was recited for the first time to a group of people in that home. This was the home where Ammar ibn Yasir, and Suhaib accepted Islam. This was the home where Hamza and Umar, may Allah be pleased with them, accepted Islam. So how many shahadas, uh, legends of Islam, took their shahada, became Muslim, in that home with the Prophet SallAllahu Wasallam, gave their allegiance to the Prophet SallAllahu It was actually here that Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Ta'ala revealed to the Prophet SallAllahu Alaihi Wasallam, Ya yuhannabi, hasbuka Allah, wa man minal mu'mineen that, O oh Prophet, Allah is sufficient for you. حَسْبُكَ <laughs> اللَّهُ And for those who follow you among the believers, it is enough for you, Ya Rasulullah, to have Allah on your side. And it is enough for those young uh, believers to have Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Ta-A'la with them. And so this continues for years. Al-Arqam ibn Abi Al-Arqam hosts, the Prophet SallAllahu is able to walk through the streets of Mecca. At no point does he endure any type of torture. At no point is he called out. At no point does Abu Jahl, the head of Banu Makhzum think that this young man is the one that is hosting and protecting his sworn enemy, the Prophet SallAllahu or rather who he uh, swore to be an enemy of in the Prophet SallAllahu Alaihi Wasallam. As years go on, and the Prophet Sallallahu is able to cultivate this community. Uh, this becomes an inspiration for believers, you know, for all times. And that's why, like I said, you know, and I said it uh, quite jokingly, but, but I actually do mean it, subhanAllah, the benefit, the beauty of having so many schools. Quran schools around the world, Islamic schools that are named after Al-Arqam. Sometimes you find even uh that are named after Al-Arqam. Because it was in those small gatherings that the Prophet ﷺ was not just able to teach them the Quran, not just able to uh you know accept their Islam and then to teach them how to pray. But the Prophet ﷺ nurtured a bond and a community in that home. And Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Taala brought that through the barakah of that gathering place. And so when you talk about the first masjid and you talk about the first Islamic university and the first Islamic school, you know, there are different notions that are going to come to your mind, but what's taking place in that home, right, is something very special. And SubhanAllah is also, by the way, you know, uh, if you think about, uh, you know, what cultivates faith in us, how many people found their strong Islamic identity in the halakas, right? In the small groups that would gather in the Masajid, in the houses of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, remembering Allah Subhanahu wa Ta'ala, reflecting upon Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala together and building their identity. And especially for people that live as Muslim minorities. Okay, especially for people that live as Muslim minorities, you find that some of the most active people in Islamic work found their identity, found their commitment, not through the khutbas, but through the halaqas, right? Through the small groups of people that would get together on a weekly basis, whether it was in someone's house or whether it was in a masjid, and they would build that bond with one another. They build that connection with one another. And that gave them the strength to be able to deal with or that gives them the strength to be able to deal with the circumstances on the outside and also nurtures a lifelong commitment. Imagine being in Mecca where you know that every single time you step in that house, you step in that house, there's a possibility that you will be found out and that you will be tortured and killed for it. And every time you step out, there's the possibility that someone is holding a sword or a spear waiting for you as soon as you exit that home to be targeted. And subhanAllah, you know, that's why we'll find that when Umar ibn Khattab anhu knocks on that door, they think he's coming to kill them. They think they've been found out. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala protected them and they were able to cultivate that faith there. So this is a lesson for us, you know, as we, as we uh, nurture our faith, as we nurture that certainty, as we nurture that camaraderie upon that certainty, as we nurture that commitment to that certainty in the collective sense, in our small groups, studying the Quran together, studying the seerah together, uh, reflecting together, that uh, we are living the legacy of what the Prophet nurtured in the house of Al-Arqam. And you know, a lot of times you see people that move on from that to bigger gatherings. They say, it's not the same, you know, I remember that camp, I remember that halaqa, I remember when we were in that small home, remembering Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Taala together. And so the companions that went through the experience of being in the house of Al-Arqam, Uh, You know, that's something that they they would reflect upon and that they could connect to forever. Uh, How blessed and privileged to be in that small gathering around the Prophet ﷺ. Now with Al-Arqam ibn Abi Al-Arqam, you also have, by the way, an example of someone who uses his power and his privilege for the good of Islam. Uh, Without the need to be celebrated, without the need to be recognized, Al-Arqam radiallahu ta'ala anhu had no problem using his privilege of being from Banu Makhzum to the support of the Prophet sallallahu and that was enough for him. He didn't need to go down as one of the greats or one of the nobles or things of that sort. He didn't need to be celebrated or propped up. He enjoyed his, you know, being anonymous in the city of Mecca amongst uh, amongst uh the people like Abu Jahl while at the same time allowing the prophet sallallahu a space to actually build his community and his identity is forever attached to that home um you also find by the way from the strategy of the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam and this is strategic because even if al arqam would have been found out abu jahl is not going to kill his own or this you know this would not This is not like the Prophet being in the house of uh, a Hashemite. Of course, Ben -uh Hashem would be boycotted. uh, That there was a strategic reason as well that there could be. Uh, a great benefit that even if things were to be found out and discovered, uh, obviously, you know, this was a tribalistic resistance to the mission of the Prophet Wasallam. and so it was to the benefit of the Prophet Wasallam to be in the house of a Mahzumi, uh, someone from uh, that tribe of Abu Jahl, uh, in this young man Al Arqam ibn Abi Al Arqam. Now, a hadith we don't have them narrated from him, we don't have him speaking, we have a very uh, a, a very subtle presence, however. He made the Hijrah with the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam to Medina, in uh, you know, in the year of six twenty two, along with the other companions of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam. There is a narration of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam granting him a special house, a special home from uh, from the spoils in the uh, in in the area of Azureiq in Medina, which would of course uh, represent a loyalty of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam of sorts to this young man for what he gave to Islam. He fought every uh, he fought every uh, battle alongside the Prophet SallAllahu Alaihi Wasallam, Badr, Uhud, Khandaq, he did not miss a single battle with the Prophet SallAllahu Alaihi Wasallam. He lived through the era of all of Khulafa Ar-Rashideen, and he would die in the time of Muawiyah radiAllahu ta'ala anhu, and his Janazah would be led by none other than Sa'ad ibn Abi Waqas radiAllahu ta'ala anhu. We don't have narrations from him, we don't have, uh, you know, this this picture to paint of him, this person that accepted Islam at such a young age and was so instrumental to its beginning. But Allah Subhanahu wa Taala certainly knows, and Allah Subhanahu wa Taala certainly uh, would reward this young man who gave his house, uh, you know, for for the purpose of cultivating that call to al-Jannah. Uh, may Allah Subhanahu wa Taala grant him a high place in al-Jannah, a high home in al-Jannah as well. And Subhanallah, his one wish uh, when he passed away as he allowed for his home to be inherited was that his home would not be sold. So it was a connection that he had to that place, that special place, and you can imagine, and this is what I was thinking about as I was um, just uh, preparing for this uh, lecture. And again, there isn't much on al-arqam radiallahu ta'ala anhu, but imagine as the Sahaba came back in Fatih Makkah and the conquest of Makkah, And they are now in the thousands and thousands and thousands, and the Prophet is going to stand up on Safa again, where he was once rejected, but this time with thousands of followers. And in a place of complete uh, victory, and he could look just right, right off to the right of that mountain, and say, "That's where we used to gather. That was the place that Allah subhanahu wa taala allowed us at that time to cultivate uh, this this faith, this iman, this Yaqeen, this certainty in our hearts, and gain that commitment to the Yaqeen. And so, in al-arqam is a lesson of selflessness and sacrifice, and using your position, and how you know even a quiet soldier in the back can be so instrumental to the cultivating of a community by the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam and is also a lesson for us that those small blessed gatherings where we gather together to remember Allah Subh'anaHu Wa taala, to reflect on the Qur'an, the seerah of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam is where our identity and our commitment and our faith uh, will grow. And so uh, it is befitting that the house of Islam, the house of Al-Arqam, has so many homes of al-islam and homes of islamic education uh, named after it may allah subhanahu wa ta'ala have mercy on him and be pleased with him and his sacrifice and his service to this deen may allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allow us to cultivate that iman and that faith in our hearts that certainty in our hearts and may allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gather us amongst the small uh, per, uh, amongst the few uh, in the highest level of jannat al In the companionship of the Prophet, may Allah allow us to enjoy that proximity to the Prophet in paradise that the companions enjoyed, those few enjoyed with the Prophet in Dar al Arqam. Allahumma Ameen. Jazaknil Allahu Khairan. Wassalamu Alaikum. Wa Rahmatullahi wa Barakatuh. This podcast was brought to you by Yaqeen Institute for Islamic Research Dismantling Doubts and Nurturing Conviction, one truth at a time. Tune in every week for the next episode and don't forget to subscribe to this channel and share with friends. Until next time, this has been The Firsts, the Forerunners of Islam.